Pastor Ed Taylor says sometimes it's best for leaders to take a break or step aside for a time. If you're serving in any ministry in this church here at Calvary, and you're beginning to feel tired or burned out, I'm telling you right now, take a break. Step away. Step down so that you can begin to gain clarity again that the Lord might raise you back up again. It's better for you just to take a break. Oh, no, Ed, you don't know. If I take a break, everything will fall apart. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But it's better that you don't hurt the flock. It's better that your heart doesn't get all hard. There's a calling and gifting upon your life. Let the Lord raise you up. Let him use you, but don't serve unwillingly. Don't serve with a grudge. This is amazing grace. It reflects poorly on the church as a whole when a pastor or leader is in it for all the wrong reasons. Whether it's a thirst for money or power, it can be destructive in more ways than one. And of course, people like that are all around us. 1 Peter 5 is before us today. It's a wonderful passage elders and leaders should frame their ministry around. It'll help them steer clear of the wrong attitude and action and be a God-honoring leader instead. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll take some time to consider this helpful section. Are you ready to receive God's encouragement and exhortation to elders? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to bring it to us. So as we finish this text today, and you're taking notes, I want to give you eight characteristics, eight ingredients that will help you guide your own personal spiritual servanthood and leadership. Help you to keep your eyes on Jesus. And every single spiritual leader listening to me, every leader and servant in our church, in every church, would do well to make this a part of your spiritual life, to meditate on this section, and to memorize it. But there are eight things I want to cover today, very briefly, but eight things that are important. Number one, in verse two, he says, shepherd the flock of God. Number one, spiritual leaders are under shepherds, under shepherds. Remember here that you're to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. He says, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Don't be lords over those entrusted to you, but be examples to the flock, so that when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I want you to realize that you have one chief shepherd in the church. It's not me. It's not any pastor on staff here. It's not any of the elders or board members here. The chief shepherd will appear. His name is Jesus Christ. He's coming again. And the coming of the Lord is closer than it ever has been ever before in the history of mankind. He's the chief shepherd. All of us, we are under shepherds, under shepherds. We are under the authority of Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd. None of us in a real true church of God serve under our own authority. We have no authority. We are in desperate need of our chief shepherd. So that if we're given any kind of trust in the church, he's the chief shepherd. We, we need to remember that the church of Jesus Christ, no matter the name, belongs to him. 
This, this is his church, his flock, his bride. And you don't want to mess with the bride of Christ. You don't want to mess with the word of God. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. You don't want to mess with the word of God. You don't want to mess with the bride of Christ. We don't serve in our own authority, but in his. You know, a lot of guys, they start out thinking that they're the shepherd and that the particular church and ministry is theirs. Their identity becomes what they do and who they are instead of looking to the chief shepherd. Remember, you are an under shepherd with your eyes on the chief shepherd. Number two, notice, he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, among you. Number two, spiritual leaders are sheep too, right? You don't graduate from being a sheep. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I used to be a sheep. Now I'm uh, and then you fill in the blank of your responsibility. It happens at work all the time, doesn't it? I mean, I have vivid recollections of people I used to work with. Like literally we were, we were cube mates. We, we worked sitting next, next to each other, doing the work together, talking about work together, you know, ha- enjoying life, working hard, doing overtime. And then all of a sudden they got promoted to junior, 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 junior supervisor, and they, they, got, they got a new shirt or they gave them a hat or they could go one hour a day to go do some paperwork in the back office. And all of a sudden, they thought that they were the ruler of the known world. And they just changed because of a title. It happens in the church too, I'll tell you. Almost always, almost always when we see uh, men and women put into positions of leadership here, it's because of their faithful service. It's not because they asked for it. Because I'll tell you what, if you ask for it, you're not going to get it. If you have to ask for it and say, well, you know, and then I I look and go, what do you do here? I just asked for leadership. You're not going to get it. But I'll tell you what, if you serve and I watch you serve the people and not just me, all the leaders here, it's, it's just evident. It's evident in any church, but it's also evident in this church who serves and who doesn't serve. That's not a bad thing. It's just an obvious thing. It's also evident, whether you realize it or not, who serves with good motives, who doesn't serve with good motives. It's evident, you know, over the years I've had to say, sit down with someone and go, you know what, here's the issue. Some people I have to say, go home, you're here too much. And some people I wonder where they are. And which one do you think you are? Because you're the one in my office and we're talking about this right now. And so you want to remember, you're always a sheep. You never outgrow, you never not become a sheep. There's one chief shepherd, we're all sheep. And in our role as under shepherds, we have to remember sheep, we serve alongside each other. Spiritual leadership doesn't place you over, but truly under as you become a servant to all. Remember, if you look at spiritual leadership or service in any church, just just replace that word with responsibility. Because that's really what it amounts to. What makes me different from you, truly? Nothing. I'm a brother. Uh, I am a brother in the Lord that was redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a fleshly nature like you do. Uh, I have my own weaknesses. I have my own temptations. I have my own issues. You have your issues. What makes me different from you? In a very real sense, nothing. What makes me different from you? A huge thing. I'm responsible for, to God for the calling that is upon my life as pastor-teacher. So while you may be responsible for three or four or 10 or 30 people in your life, I have a lot greater responsibility. I don't know how it's all going to get sorted out. It scares me sometimes when the Bible tells me that I'm going to stand before God and give account for my oversight of your soul. That's what the Bible says. I oversee souls, not growing a church, not running a business. I have an oversight of souls. And even as Marie and I were praying earlier, she prayed, she 
she said it out loud, like, and, and I'm glad that she did. Just, I take it pretty seriously. Some people may think too seriously, but I don't, because I'm the one that's going to have to answer to God, not you. And I really care about your families. And I really care about what's going on in our church. And I really want to protect this church and lead it. I really want to see your life transformed. I want to see your testimony affect other people's lives. I want you to know the truth and resist error and falsehood and false teaching. I take it seriously, you bet. My whole life, my whole life is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ. I have placed my whole life on the line for what I believe God says. And I want you to do the same. It may be a different responsibility. God may not call you to be pastor or teacher. It's okay. There's a lot of great places in the body of Christ. You know, a lot of people want to be a pastor or teacher until they're here, until they start doing it. They're like, oh man, I'd just like to go back. But the Lord is good. He's faithful. Number, what are we? Number three. Number three, notice. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Number three, serving as overseers. You want to be a good spiritual leader? Remember, spiritual leaders are servants. And I know some of this is repetitive and simple, but the repetitive and simple get forgotten. That's why it needs to be repetitive. Spiritual leaders are servants. Jesus, our great shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep. He came not to be served, but to serve. Mark it down. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The eternal son of God, God in human flesh, co-equal with the father, part of the holy trinity, came to earth and took on a human body. He left glory and lay aside his privileges and took on a human body of which he still has today, eternally, for the sake of your life and mine and your forgiveness and mine. He came to serve us. He came not to be served. Leaders in the church ought to be the greatest servants of all, period. There is no other alternative. If you're not a servant, you might want to jot this down or just listen. If you're not a servant, you cannot lead. You may say you're leading, but you're just probably barking orders. God isn't looking for more bosses. He's looking for leaders. And when he looks for leaders, the key element in a good leader is a servant. I mean, you think about in all the places that you've worked, some of the, let's use the language just for the sake of it, some of your bosses, you remember some of them is just really good and some of them are not so good. I would just ask you to take one more step and go, man, was the boss you remember as good, relational, caring, served you, took care of you, made sure your environment was such where you could excel? And was the boss you think of, man, I'm so glad I don't work for him or her anymore, just a boss and just told you what to do but never did it with you? In the church, it's even worse because there's only one layer. There's only one place for, there's only one attribute really after character that God is looking for and that is the place of servant. Number four, notice, he says, serve as overseers, not by constraint, this is number four, but willingly. Spiritual leaders serve willingly. Here's when many people falter. They begin to serve unwillingly. Well, so, so I, I would just say that when I say begin, they start out willingly. So they start out, yes, I'm ready. Yes, I want to do it. It's such a privilege, such an honor. I believe this is God's will for my life. And then somewhere along the way, they begin to serve unwillingly. They begin to serve with a grudge. They become complainers about the very people that God has called them to serve. They begin to speak down on their responsibility. They begin to, be a high, they begin to highlight everyone else's faults while their glaring fault of complaining and murmuring is evident. That's not how they started. How they started was, yes, yes, yes. What do you want me to do? Here I am. I want to serve. And then over time, they become very comfortable and they don't serve willingly. 
If you're serving in any ministry in this church here at Calvary, and you're beginning to feel tired or burned out, I'm telling you right now, take a break. Step away. Step down so that you can begin to gain clarity again that the Lord might raise you back up again. It's better for you just to take a break. Oh, no, Ed, you don't know. If I take a break, everything will fall apart. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But it's better that you don't hurt the flock. It's better that your heart doesn't get all hard. There's a calling and gifting upon your life. Let the Lord raise you up. Let him use you, but don't serve unwillingly. Don't serve with a grudge. You know, just like the Bible says, right? The Bible says that when you give of your tithes and offerings, you're what? You're to give willingly. Nobody can tell you. No church, no organization can command you to give. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians that when we give unto God, we give willingly. We're not going to check your W-4 or W-2. We're not going to go to your house and make you fill out. Like, you got to give willingly. If you can't give willingly, don't give. And deal with the consequences of your battle nasty heart. And he will. God will deal with you. He'll go, you know, well, I don't have to give. That church this, and I don't have to give. And then your car's always breaking down. Why don't you try giving? Why don't you try saying, like, Lord, I'm going to honor you first. We're not going to spend any time making you do anything. You don't want to give? Don't give. You know what? We'll serve you the same. We'll serve you the same. We'll, take, we'll do what God's called us to do because that's what God's called us to do. But then that's the pattern, isn't it, in your life for you to do what God's called you to do. Same with serving. It's another, don't do it by constraint. Nobody's going to make you serve. It's like, you know, uh, you, you, even on Wednesday, 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 midweek's a hard place to go, right? And you're like, oh, I made a commitment. Oh, I got to go. But, but, but honey, you should go with the joy. Yeah, but I have made a commitment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go serve those people. Because if I don't do it, nobody will do it. Just stay home, man. We'll figure it out without you. Just stay home. We don't need that angry, upset. And as I said earlier, I mean, at the end of the day, God can do all of this without us. And we'll figure it out. It's better that you not serve with a grudge so that people don't get hurt. You, think, you really think that's not going to spill over and you know, you're going to be all upset and then there's going to be somebody in front of you that you're, you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you're going to miss them. And I believe we'll be held accountable for all those times where we miss people. Don't hurt people. Notice, I, before we get to number five, uh, l- let me read to you a quote from Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher from the 1800s. I love what he says. When he was teaching young students in his pastor school about ministry, he said this. This is a small little uh, paragraph. I would encourage you, if this stuff interests you, uh, get volume one of Spurgeon's lectures to my students. That's on our discipleship reading list, volume one. There's many volumes, but volume one is the best. And this is the beginning stage of all the lectures he gave to his students. Uh, Here's one paragraph from lecture number one, I believe it was. And I quote, If any student in this room could be content to be a newspaper editor or a grocer or a farmer or a doctor or a lawyer or a senator or a king, in the name of heaven and earth, let him go his way. We must feel that woe is unto me if we preach not the gospel. The word of God must be unto as a fire in our bones. Otherwise, if we undertake the ministry, we shall be unhappy in it, shall be unable to bear the self-denials incident to it, and shall be of little service to those among whom we minister, end quote. And basically what he's saying is, man, if you ever feel like you have to do this, go do what you really want to do. 
Don't stay in a position, pastors, lay pastors, paid pastors, leaders. Don't, don't stay in a position because you think you have to. Stay in a position because you want to. That's the best place to serve. Because if you can do something else with your time and you want to do something else, then go do something else because you need to be on your game. Ministry's hard and challenging and it's always cutting in on our lives and it's always teaching us. You know, we think we're serving for others, but you know what? Here's the secret. You ready? It's a secret that's not quite a secret. When you seek to serve others, God uses your ministry to disciple you, to cut off the rudge. You're dealing with somebody, oh, this guy has rough edges. Guess who really has the rough edges? And what God's really wanting to do, polishing your life and forming and fashioning you like he did with Jeremiah. Remember, he went to that potter and he saw the wheel with the clay and the potter just fashioning and molding the clay. As you get to serve and be a tool in other people's lives to disciple them and polish them, God is using them in your life to polish you. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's free. Discipleship is free. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to give anybody any money for it. Just get involved in people's lives and the Lord will use those lives to help you grow in grace. He's so good and gracious to us. And so you just want to serve willingly. Number five, notice, he says, not by constraint, but willingly. We're still in verse two. But not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. This is an important one. Number five, spiritual leaders serve honestly. This is where integrity and character come, right? Honestly. Honestly, listen. Don't get into leadership. Don't expect in this church to be in spiritual leadership or a place of servanthood to rip God's people off. The people of Calvary Church, they are not available for you to rip off. So don't even think about it. Don't come into this church thinking you can sell something, do something, make money off of people here. The people of God are not for sale, ever. Whether it's here in this church under our leadership or anywhere else. But I would also say to a position of spiritual leadership, don't... don't don't try to take advantage of people and their vulnerability. Don't take advantage of people for their position in this world or the money they might have. You know, it makes, it makes me sick to my stomach watching so-called Christian TV and how they take advantage. I think back to the latter years of my mom. You know, she's alone. My dad had passed away and she's alone in her house watching Christian TV and infomercials. And when we were cleaning out her house, we saw evidence of that and how vulnerable she was. And you know, the ministry is a great place of position and, and strength in someone's life, but it's not a place to rip people off. Once again, knowing that pastors and leaders from other churches are listening to the radio right now, wherever they might be around the country, even around the world, stop ripping people off in Jesus' name. It is a sin, you will be judged by it, and I, I, don't, I don't even know what level of judgment that's in, but don't you steal people you don't steal money from people. You don't steal innocence from people. You don't teach people false doctrine. We take care of people and serve them with our lives. And that's why, hey, don't, don't get into ministry for dishonest gain. That is a disobedient decision. The ministry is not a place to fleece the flock. It's a place to feed them and care for them and serve them and support them. That's why we're very careful who we allow access to this church. We're hyper, hyper, hyper careful who we allow in leadership. We want to get to know you. We want to see your character and integrity proven. We want to see that you have a love for this church. We don't give away positions. We'd rather, if we don't have a leader for a ministry, the ministry stops until we have a leader. We don't just subject people to anybody. Oh, we have all these needs. No, we, we don't. Unless God raises up one, we're going to wait till he does. 
which can be hard and difficult at times, but we're going to wait. We're going to wait on the Lord. He's always been faithful. Why would he be unfaithful now? He's faithful. And he will prepare. Right now, he's preparing the next wave of ministry and ministers in our church. It's a very exciting time, especially when we get into the book of Acts. Right, right now, God is ministering. He is preparing people right now listening to me to serve in this church. Some of you are like, yes, Lord, that, that resonates with my heart. And some of you go, oh, I don't think I want to do that. All right, that's okay. Either one, either answer is okay. God will raise you up when you're ready. But now you're accountable for what you've heard. And it's so encouraging and exciting. Don't jump into ministry. Don't serve in this church uh, or any church for that matter to take advantage of others. Number six, verse three. When a spiritual leader, don't serve as Lord, as being Lord over those entrusted to you. There's that word entrusted again. Stewardship, sacred trust. This is something that is a privilege. It's not a right. It's not an expectation. It's a privilege. And number six, spiritual leaders serve humbly, humbly. It is a prideful man and a prideful woman that lords over and tries to control people's lives where you are unable to have the freedom that is yours in Christ. Don't get into spiritual leadership because you want to boss people around. This isn't the right place. And I've met many who have seen spiritual leadership as a place to control and to have some kind of power over people's lives. Don't do it. Not here. You're not to lord it over. Notice number seven now. But be an example to the flock. So number seven, spiritual leaders are to serve as, well, stewards. That word entrusted, I want to pause there for a second because we, we've used it, but here it is. Spiritual leaders, number seven, serve as stewards. Sacred trust. It's a privilege, an honor. Not deserved. It's not some ministry we're building here. We're not building a church. We're not some mega church or mega this or mega that. We are serving the souls of men and women, boys and girls, and babies in the womb. And that's our responsibility. Hey, thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going and growing through a study of 1 Peter right now. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, as you've been talking about spiritual leadership today, it's a good time to speak about your podcast on this very subject. Tell our listeners a little more about Lead to Serve. Yes, Larry, we are very encouraged by the response to our Lead to Serve podcast. And the way to find it is put my name in your podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast, or you can spell out Lead, the number two, Serve. It's all one word, Lead, the number two, Serve. And subscribe to it. Listen, we're in our third season. And, and it's been a passion and a desire of mine uh, to equip and disciple uh, generations. You know, it doesn't matter the age. You know, we say the next generation, but I don't mean that by age. I just mean the next series of leaders. I don't know everything. Uh, and what little I do know, I want to share with you. I want to talk. So the podcast is like a conversation, like we're having right now. It's like a conversation. Season three surrounds a book that we just published called Sure and Steady. Sure and Steady. It is a resource to help you grow in being the kind of servant that you desire to be. Uh, and, and we're just talking through the chapters. It, it is a collaboration and a compilation of resources and things that we've learned here over the last uh, 20 years. And we finally had a pastor's meeting and we, we spent the whole day editing our entries. And it's short. You can use it as a devotional. You can use it as a discipleship tool. They're short little entries, but packed with great insight and scriptures. 
but the Lead to Serve podcast, that's season three. Uh, we are talking through that particular resource, just talking about ministry and how can we grow? What can we, How can we respond to the difficulties of the day? Lead to Serve, L-E-A-D, the number two, serve, all one word. Check out Lead to Serve wherever you get your podcasts. That's Lead, the number two, serve. Maybe you're looking for a good book to go through as we begin a new year. Well, here in the month of January, we picked out an excellent one written by Lee Strobel. It's The Case for Heaven. We all want to know what awaits us on the other side of death. Do we just cease to exist, as some suggest, or reincarnate? Is there a heaven and hell? Much like a journalist, author Lee Strobel interviews experts about the evidence for the afterlife. You'll receive answers to your questions about what happens after we die. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for The Case for Heaven, our number 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.